Welcome to the Be Glad Movement. My name's Pollyanna and I'm on a mission to bring you as many stories as possible of good coming out of bad and reasons to be glad. In this episode, recorded back in 2018, I talked to Dr Dan Maggs, a GP who, for a very long time, struggled with being overweight. It wasn't until a chance encounter on a skiing trip where he witnessed a man dolloping butter into his coffee did he manage to get his weight under control. Intrigued? Listen on to hear Dan's story. Okay, cool. So my story is about being an overweight doctor. In fact, I was an officially an obese doctor at the age of 33. Um, so I'm a GP by training and have been uh, qualified since 2009, but I struggled with my weight going back to my teenage years. Um, I never remember being a particularly slim child. I never remember being particularly sporty. Um, I was always kind of last to be picked in sports at school. Aww. And my weight problems uh, just really kind of escalated during my 20s doing a lot of shift work, a lot of night shifts, working in hospitals, just grabbing food as and when, just being exhausted when I finished my shifts and and getting... That's not an uncommon theme, is it? Um, no. You know, healthcare professionals being poorly themselves because they're on the go all the time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, my weight just was going up and up and up. And, you know, I you know, would every once in a while realise, hmm, there's a bit of a problem going on here. And I, you know, start the, the typical let's eat less and do more movement kind of diet. I tried to establish as much of, uh, you know, good exercise habits as I could. I started running. Um, I was doing a, a 10K run every year and trying to do park run quite often. Um, but you know inevitably six eight maybe ten weeks after starting a diet starting to see some traction on that diet I would fall off the diet and lose you know I, I'd stop stepping on the scales and then you know a month later I'd realize that I'd gained the weight back again and pretty frustrating um, pretty embarrassing as a doctor as well because you know, you've got patients who are coming into you who, you know, expect you to, you know, be a shining example of health yourself. And, sure. you know, you know, I, I can only imagine how people feel coming in to see a doctor and trying to ask about their own weight problems and trying to realize and then realizing that the doctor really hasn't got that under control themselves, really. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about when things changed for me. Um, so 2016, I went skiing in France and I saw a guy at the, so it's like a shared chalet. Um, and I saw at the guy, a guy at the breakfast table putting butter into his coffee. And I'm thinking, what are you doing putting butter into your coffee? Like, so as a doctor, I'm thinking you're killing yourself. Like butter's really bad. Um, but I had heard about this thing called bulletproof coffee, um, which is right. all about putting butter in, in coffee, but I'd never really taken that any further. So I, I just had that conversation with him and I said, yeah, what are you doing, mate? And so he explained to me and, you know, it's really funny how sometimes someone who's got no medical background uh, can really really 
help change your opinion on something that you know you think you've got um, a good handle on really sure um, so Dan, so tell, tell me what why is it called bulletproof coffee <laughs> okay so bulletproof coffee i think that's a trademark um, um there's a guy in the states called dave asprey who he's he's like well known as a biohacker right. and um he he's been a big fan of the, the stuff that i'm about to talk about in terms um, of, of diets and stuff for, for quite a while uh, and he wanted to popularize popularize bulletproof coffee okay. so he's got a series of products that that um that he calls bulletproof coffee right. um so so yeah this guy was so he so what did this guy explain to me so obviously we come from a me coming from a medical background i'm i'm learning things like calories in there's got a balance with calories out there's energy isn't created or lost it you know that kind of thing so you you need to and the problem with weight gain is eating too many calories and not doing enough exercise right. and of course that makes on a on a very basic level that makes a hell of a lot of sense and and talking thinking about body fat it's very easy to say well i've got too much body fat therefore i should cut down on the amount of fat that i'm eating and uh -huh. you know it makes a lot of sense on on a very basic level that that if you're overweight you've got too much fat therefore you should eat less fat uh, but unfortunately as i found out it doesn't seem to work like that mm -hmm. so what this guy taught taught me was to think about uh to think about it as a hormonal problem not as an energy balance problem okay and he explained to me the the key hormone which is insulin okay so many of pretty much everybody watching this will have heard of insulin it's what diabetics inject themselves with but uh, what does it actually do in the body well it helps glucose from the blood get into the cells right okay so it's that key shuttle to take insulin from from in the bloodstream which is where it basically gets to once we've taken it in to into the cells and it does that with fat cells so Fat cells create create fat from glucose. Okay? okay, so he explained to me that think about what happens when, as a doctor, you put a patient on insulin. The common, the most common side effect is weight gain. Uh -huh. Okay, so hmm, okay, that's interesting. And then think about the situation where a patient hasn't got any insulin production in their body and that's type 1 diabetes so the pancreas has failed to produce insulin within the body mm -hmm. um, okay these these people get really really sick uh, often children they get really really sick but one of the key things that happens to them is weight loss okay. so you've got weight gain from too many calories and you've got weight loss sorry weight gain from too much insulin and a weight loss from no insulin when where do calories come into that there's mm. calories aren't anywhere in that at all really so so yeah he started to introduce me to this idea that it, it's not necessarily about energy balance but about hormone balance okay. and that's the thing with with putting butter into coffee butter 
you know, all you've got in there is fat, essentially. Fat has a very, very small impact on the insulin that our bodies produce. Whereas things like carbohydrates, especially refined carbohydrates like sugar, have a massive impact. So it's more about, rather than thinking about energy in and energy out, it's more thinking about uh, how you manage your insulin levels within your body. And if you've got a very high insulin levels, you're going to be in a fat storage mode all the time. And if you've got very low insulin levels, then that allows the body to be able to access your stored fat. Okay. And so I had a number of conversations over the, the week with this guy about, you know, how, and he'd lost a lot of weight himself and looked really good. Um, so I, as soon as I came back off that holiday, I started a low carb diet where I didn't fear taking in fat. So fat was there to keep me full up. Right. And uh, within the first two weeks, I'd lost about five kilograms. So that's, wow. so that's 10, over 10, 10, 12 pounds. And within six months, I'd gone from being officially obese to being of a normal weight, which is around about 30 kilograms or five stone in weight loss. Wow. So... Yeah, and that kind of thing has a quite an impact on you. So yeah. I realized that, you know, about six, seven, eight weeks in, the time the kind of time where I normally would have fallen off my diet, that hang on, something's different here. Something right. has changed. Something's you know, I don't feel hungry, I feel really good, and you know, this is different this time. Um I'm presuming you didn't just sort of suddenly start like eating butter and you know drinking cream and just like really overindulging on fat i think you just sort of wasn't you weren't scared of it anymore it was no like absolutely habit without well actually i think initially i was pretty scared of um uh, eating a lot of fat because you know for so long we've been told that fat particularly saturated fat puts our cholesterol up and it also puts up our and then that puts up our risk of heart disease in the long term. So, you know, we've, it's a big thing about treating people with statins, medication to lower their cholesterol, you know, and this is pretty big in the medical world, the strong guidelines based around this, uh, this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I was like, how long am I actually going to keep, um, how much, how long am I actually going to keep going with this, you know, before I realize I'm doing my body a lot of harm. So I started researching it and I started looking back at, you know, why the, why we thought this, why do we think that fat is bad for us? And as far as I can tell, there's not a huge amount of evidence to suggest that there's any real link between cholesterol, heart disease, fat intake. And really that this is something that we've been told by the pharmaceutical companies that helps them to sell statin medication. Right. Um, so, and I started to realize just how much of what we do, you know, is, is run by the pharma, you know, is advised by the, we get a lot of advice from pharmaceutical companies about, you know, how to treat type two diabetes and, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, all of them involve seemingly involve progressively more complicated long-term medications rather than actually preventing this. So, so yeah, I think uh, it started to really open my eyes to the fact that the food and pharmaceutical companies are 
probably pulling the wool over our eyes a little bit. You know, I get it. They're, they're companies, they're for-profit companies. They have to make profit for their shareholders. And, but, you know, we've been, you know, sold a lie about a lot of stuff because yeah. of the profit of big multinational companies, really. Mm. And so that's where, so that's where I'm at is a doctor who's realized that actually a lot of what we're doing is probably harming our patients more rather than, than starting to, uh, to fix these problems by looking at diet and lifestyle, first of all. And we've got a, we've got guidelines in place that are fat fearing and carbohydrate, um, promoting, but that really doesn't necessarily work for a lot of people. Those dietary guidelines started in the 1970s uh, and were initially proposed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And you have to ask yourself, what, what have the U.S. Department of Agriculture got to gain from putting out dietary guidelines? Well, you know, they were, they were the people that represented all the farmers who were producing all the grain. So, of course, oh. so of course uh, you know, a lot of those guidelines came out because because they were they were pushing grain production um and so those guidelines were the first ones to say you know you need to reduce the amount of fat you're taking in and very interestingly a few years ago um there's a british welsh scientist called zoe harkham that looked into why why we introduced those guidelines she said was there ever any ev- any sorry was there ever any evidence to introduce the low fat guidelines and so she looked at studies before the 1970s before those guidelines were introduced and found that no actually there wasn't any evidence okay so then she extended her study to the totality of scientific evidence that we have today so with it with at least some studies after the 1970s that said yeah we should introduce some low um low fat guidelines no nothing nothing the the evidence base does not suggest that we should ever have introduced low carbohydrate uh, sorry low fat guidelines wow okay so i'm really hopeful in the next few years that that's going to hopefully filter through to government and that we should be stopping this fat phobic advice really yeah Uh, watch that space i'm not so sure it will actually happen but um but it would be hopeful that that the good work that she's done in those studies will will hopefully filter through into creating some guidelines for health that's actually based on evidence rather than based on the needs or the desires of the US Department of Agriculture. Sure. It sounds to me like someone needs to, governments need to put money into these studies so that they're not swayed by big corporates you know so the thing that you know i I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or anything but Mm. you know a lot of our study scientific studies are funded by the food industry you know the big food and drinks manufacturers there's only really about five of them who own everything and they have a lot of scientists on their payroll who are doing these studies for them and you know, as a scientist who's getting paid to do these studies, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. And the other side of it is the pharmaceutical companies who spend a lot of money running these big clinical trials. But they also happen to be the major taxpayers of our governments. Mm, 
So the big corporation taxpayers are food and pharmaceutical industries. So at the same time, governments find it very difficult to bite the hand that feeds them as well. So, you know, and a lot of our, a lot of MPs, you know, sit on the boards of the food and pharmaceutical industries. So it's a very difficult problem to solve, really. Mm. But that's where the internet comes in. Hurrah. Well, and the internet's are... a great disruptor. The internet yeah. is a great disruptor. You know, you see what happened in uh, the, you know, where was it? Um, Libya, Colonel Gaddafi. That all came off the back of Twitter, you know, and people starting to organize themselves and arrange themselves you know off the back of twitter uh-huh. and, uh, and so much disruption has come about in this world probably for good and for bad off the back of off the internet that's why i've started a youtube channel because you know it's 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 about just giving people a choice really and telling them that there is a different way of doing things and i think that that's where things come in with your be glad and and, and actually you know giving some hope to people because i felt hopeless I felt completely out of control and completely powerless to do anything about my weight. Um, and I tried everything and I just saw myself getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year and thinking that it was my willpower or some kind of character defect within me that was, was happening. And, and so many people, you know, we're putting that blame onto people and saying that, you know, if you're fat, if you're overweight, it's because you're a glutton, because you've got no willpower, you've got no self-control. And the, the message of hope that I hope to put out there is that that's not true. It's not true. You're being misled by the guidelines. You're being misled by the fact that, you know, there isn't anything you can do about this. And, you know, you've just got to be strong and your willpower is you know, really where you need to be working on things. And actually, there is a way, there is a different way to do it. And yeah, you do need a bit of willpower. You need to be willing to spend a bit of time cooking healthy food at home, but it doesn't need to be overly expensive. It doesn't need to be overly difficult. And that's, that's really what I hope to show people through what I'm doing. Awesome. Yeah. So you, I've watched some of your um, YouTube videos and they are very informative. So I think it's going to, like you say, it's about having a choice, isn't it? We've all mm. been spoon fed this um, idea that we shouldn't be eating fat when mm. you've just told us that a lady has done a massive, massive project and mm. found that there's no real evidence for that. Mm. And actually... The other, the other point is that we, we're all different. You know, we've all got our different health needs and our different sort of biochemical makeup, I guess. Um, yeah, and so different foods are going to react differently in our bodies. Um, yeah. I, I, personally, I'm not very good at eating uncooked greens. They don't mm-hmm. agree with me. Everything has to be cooked till it's limp. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we're all different. So I love that you're putting an, uh, or, or drawing more attention to this and giving people the facts behind um a a different way of looking at their food intake and it may or may not work for them you know absolutely yeah but i think it's about giving people choice and i think that's the that's one of the things that the modern way of doing medicine has really helped me understand is that you know you should be able to give your your patients an option and a choice and Mm. actually you know a low carbohydrate diet is really really effective for type 2 diabetes um 
back when I was training as a GP, not, not five years ago, we were told that type two diabetes is a progressive worsening illness. That once you've got it, you will just get worse and worse and worse. And really that all we could do is control that decline and with medication. It's not hard to see where that advice was coming from. Mm. We now know that, there's doctors who are having fantastic results with their patients who are saying, you know, here's another option. You know, you can go on to medication and we can put you on progressively larger doses of medication, but here's another option. You could try this low carb diet and we could actually end up getting you off your medication and controlling it just with diet alone. And loads of people are doing that. And it annoys a lot of people. <laughs> you know in uh in 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 power and that people are actually and, and pharmaceutical companies you know don't like this because you know if i if i suggest to someone that they go on a, a, a low carb diet and they do do it you know their intake of insulin could could go down by two-thirds and insulin is an expensive drug to manufacture and sell uh, mm-hmm. and so it's very threatening to people Mm. very threatening to the you know the pharmaceutical industry that actually an industry you know a whole an illness which is is becoming you know reaching epidemic proportions pandemic proportions um it can be treated as simply by by saying "Mm, you need to cut the carbs out your diet right rather than loads and loads of medications which you know give people side effects and make people feel even worse and really just manages the decline of their symptoms rather than than actually puts them into remission sure sure i think i remember seeing uh, you just reminded me of um a tv show i think i saw correct me if i'm wrong is am i right in thinking that sugar is like as addictive as heroin that on the brain scans they kind of light up the same i don't know any statistics about that but it would not surprise me at all uh Mm. you know sugar sugar isn't really something that is found in in the quantities that we consume it sugar isn't found naturally in the natural world in those quantities you know even with even with fruit think of fruit fruit seasonal really isn't it like fruit we don't we don't have really sweet fruit all year round um, so you'd potentially have that in the kind of summer and autumn time in order to build you up, build you up for the winter. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so it's, you know, and we, we lump fruit and vegetables together, but some fruit is very, very high in sugar. But take compare that to, you know, the sugar intake in, in, in sugary drinks or in, you know, in blended fruit juice where you've stripped it of all the fiber um you know it's no wonder that we're starting to have problems because of the amount of sugar that we're taking in and i'm really thankful that they've started to tax the stuff to be honest yeah yeah good point it's going to be the biggest uh, the i think that's going to be a big game changer actually um uh, starting to tax sugar I think that's going to really help the long-term trajectory of obesity and diabetes. Cool. And there's others, I mean, I know you've mentioned your YouTube channel and I'll share links to that off at the end of the video and below in the description, but Mm -hmm. um, you're also writing a book, aren't you? And you're like a a book about 
your experiences. Am I right in thinking that? And then there's a recipe lady working on some cool. Yeah, so I work. I'm, I'm working with a few different people at the moment. I'm working with a, um, a guy called Steve Bennett. Now, Steve, uh, Steve's not a medical professional. He's a businessman, and he is. Uh, very very passionate about exactly the same thing as me he he used to run marathons he used to he's trek to the north pole um, yeah. but he has um, he was always struggling with his weight and he has decided that his way of going to try and fix the health problems of the country is to start a tv station um, and that's called primal cure tv it's on sky channel uh, Sky channels at the moment. It's also live on YouTube. Um, oh, send you Primal. The link that. Primal Cure yeah, TV. Cool. Okay. So he's just released a. Uh, a this is just a pre uh, pre release copy of a book. It's called Britain is Sick, um, right. the Primal Cure: Avoid Being a st- Sick Statistic. So Steve's uh, written this. I'm quite. I'm very involved with them. I'm one of their TV doctors. Um, look, I'm on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and there's comment. There's comments from me throughout this book. There's uh, pictures of me when I uh, was struggling to lose weight, uh, oh. as well. So yeah, I'm very involved with these guys, which is really really good. So I'm very proud to be associated with them. Um, I'm also writing my own book at the moment. So what I um, kind of my brand is called Carb Dodging, which is. Um, supposed to be quite a light-hearted take on uh, on the joke of salad dodging so if you've ever heard someone being called a salad dodger uh, for someone who's been overweight well this is a bit of a joke on that really uh-huh. um, so yeah I'm hoping to get that book out uh, later next year uh, and yes there will be a recipe book that goes along with it as well that's very cool um, I personally think maybe this is an opportunity for the future but I personally think it's very hard when you're out and about to find healthy food on the go because the smoothie's got a bit of a, a, a lift um, you know have a smoothie but then like you say they're stripped of their fiber and all the sugars are yeah. full of sugar can't they so oh, absolutely yeah um, cool. oh, and sorry the other thing I was going to say is sandwiches like that's yeah. the British thing to eat a sandwich you've got Absolutely. the carbs in the, in the bread and they're not particularly good carbs either are they no so I think we lit I, I think you know low carbohydrate diets aren't for everybody they're particularly you know they are very very useful people who are struggling with obesity and type 2 diabetes um, but really you know they're not necessarily for everyone but in terms of what we can get in terms of food when we're out and about on a quick basis, you know, to try and find something that's nutritious and low carbohydrate is really, really difficult. You're looking, you're looking at maybe getting some chicken off uh, in a packet from, from the supermarket or, um, you know, a bag of nuts and things like that. But, you know, it can be really, really difficult to find food. And if you go into, you know, your typical, um, you know, fuel station and try and get something that may be considered vaguely low carb, you're going to really, really struggle. You're going to really, really struggle. You go into a coffee shop and try and find something that's fairly low carb. You know, you've got a range of sandwiches, cakes, um, and crisps and things like that. It's really, really tricky. It's Mm. possible to eat out low on a low carb diet, but it's certainly not something that is, uh, is easy to do and 
this is one of my concerns is a lot of the stuff we're sold as a healthy options are still very high in sugar and still very high in, in carbohydrates. Uh, and one of the things that I think we got very wrong was fruit juices. You know, your average, your average fruit juice has got pretty much the same amount of sugar in as a can of you know, fizzy drink. Wow, yeah, you never think of it like that. No, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the same amount of sugar, you know, gram for gram um, in those drinks. And actually, 2016, they took out fruit juice from the national guidance on, uh, on the, you know, the national healthy plate. So fruit juice has gone from that two years ago, uh, yeah, two years ago, and is now got a specific limit on the amount you should consume because you know we thought this is a great healthy option and i'll have a pint of orange juice for breakfast just sugar it's just sugar um it's been stripped of all the fiber and and the same with smoothies you know um you know maybe smoothies aren't quite so innocent Mm. (laughs) brilliant well is there anything else you want to tell us about you know what to expect from you or no, um, so uh, into 2019, I'm really going to be pushing the YouTube channel. So I want to make that a go-to resource for people um, to to go to. I'm going to be organising it nicely into playlists so you can go through from start to finish. Uh, and hopefully, you know, I'll be putting some position, uh, something in place so that you need a, a bit more support from me and my team to be able to get that from me next year because... One thing uh, that my day-to-day medical practice has taught me is that, you know, it's very easy for me to say, here, this is what you need to do. Uh, You need to have a low-carb diet and, you know, I can explain that to someone in maybe one, two, three minutes. And some people, some people will go and they will take that information and they will have massive success with it. And that's great. A lot of people need a lot more support through that process Uh, and actually we know from studies that longer term behavioral change you know people need a lot of support and that's really I hope to be able to sort that out next year and that's really what my focus is is to put those uh, put the initial plans in place for people who want to choose this way of living as a different option um, to go through and have all the information they need and I'm going to have loads of recipes on the website things like that uh, but also to be able to support people through who you know who don't find it as easy, and to create a community in order to help people support each other through the difficulties of changing their lifestyle. Yeah, I'm thinking Easter at my mum's house right now. <laughs> that is a difficult situation with all the Easter biscuits and the chocolate and the goodness knows what else. It is, and we've got Christmas coming up as mm. well, and Easter, and it seems that a lot of the you know, a lot of the celebration times, um, you know, the traditional religious, you know, celebration times would have uh, have now been taken over by the food companies and are pushing a lot of, you know, what should you eat at these times? Mm. Okay. But we also have to remember that, that when we, we take it, and I don't want to make this about religion, it's not about religion, but actually, yeah. as well as feast days, you used to have fast days right yeah okay so it wasn't just all about consuming it was about balance as well and i think we've lost a lot of that balance with um with the modern world 
So a lot of food for thought there, excuse the pun, sorry not sorry. As Dan mentioned, we are all different. Listen to your body and please do talk to your own doctor and do your research before embarking on any new diets. What works for someone may not be the right diet for you. As always, I'm looking for new people to interview, so if you know anyone who would be willing to share their story of good coming out of bad or reasons to be glad, then I would love to hear from them. It doesn't matter if it's someone who has a similar story to one that has already been shared, as I really do believe your story in your voice has the ability to help someone in their time of need. With so much love, you've been listening to Dr. Dan Maggs, Pollyanna and the Be Glad Movement. Until next time, look after yourselves and look after each other.